Life is a battle. Only the strong survive. Play to win. All's fair in love and war. These slogans were passed down to us as they were passed down to the generations before us. The hardship endured by our ancestors became our rules for living. The question is, is there any other way to live? Welcome to the Vanessa Londino podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Londino. So welcome to our friends around the world. This podcast is continuing to grow, which is really, really exciting. And a special shout out to Canada, who edged out the UK. Y'all were neck and neck in the faster growing audience category. So to all my friends up north in Canada, thank you for listening. Happy Monday or whatever day you listen to this. But to all of us in the States and around the world, welcome to the podcast. As you know, on this podcast, we do substance. We don't do psychobabble. What do I mean by psychobabble? Psychobabble is a negative term that refers to all the pop psychology that's out there, right? Seven steps to this, three days till this, quick fixes for trauma, take this pill, have this experience. And, you know, all of those things sort of contribute to the fabric of our lives, the texture of our lives. I get it. However, there is a path forward that is about you learning who you are. And learning how to love yourself. And there is no shortcut for that. You can't cut the line. There are not legitimate shortcuts. You just have to live and learn how to be awake and aware in your life and learn how to tolerate who you are. Try and understand who you are. Try and develop some compassion for who you are. And then, yeah, learn to love yourself. So that's what we're about on this podcast. Okay, so the inspiration for this week's episode came from a therapy session, and that is not new. Everybody asks me around me here in Nashville, you know, where do you get the inspiration to do this? Like, it comes from my clients. I'm watching them transform before my eyes. I have a front row seat. It's an amazing world to live in as a therapist. But this week, the episode didn't come from the breakthrough of one of my clients. That's almost always where I draw my inspiration. It came through a realization I had about myself during the session. So I jotted a note down, finished the session, and then came back after the session ended. And I really wanted to think about what I had thought during this session. So I sat and I pondered for a couple of minutes in my chair in my office how I was living and the assumptions that I had framed and formed in my mind based on my childhood. And the phrase came to mind, I developed extreme ways of relating because of the extreme nature of the environment in which I was raised. And I had to ask myself, am I still living this way? You know, when clients are working through the coping mechanisms they develop in childhood, particularly as a means of coping through dysfunction or trauma, I often use the metaphor of the mountain in the valley, and it goes something like this, okay? Imagine someone who was born on the side of a very steep mountain, and the conditions are severe and they're difficult because they live very high up in a very cold environment, and it's snowy, and, you know, the wind blows hard, and it's dangerous. They live on a cliff, and food is hard to come by. Food is scarce, So you have to travel great distances for it. And once you have it, you have to ration it because you don't know when the next storm could be coming through. You know, your vehicle, the underbody of your vehicle is rusted from the salt on the roads because it's icy and it's snowy. It's intense. And your tires have chains on them to get through the snow and the ice. And your clothing is thick and it's heavy. Why? Because it has to protect you from the elements. And the wind blows so cold you think it's going to freeze your bones inside you. 
And you only know when you interact with people who are from the same place. You know and interact with mountain people. And you all have a very specific skill set. You know how to survive extreme conditions. You can build a fire out of almost anything. You can collect water from melted snow, boil it to kill any contaminants. You can store it. You can make your own clothes. You cook hearty food. And you can climb steep facades and you can get yourself to safety. And you've learned how to navigate in whiteout snow conditions. It's a hard life living on the mountain. But you've developed the skill set you need to survive it. Okay? Then one day, you learn that there's a new vendor who sells some supply you need. Okay, and you know that this vendor is in the valley. So you gear up, you layer up, you get the truck warmed up, you make sure the chains on the tires are tight, you're ready to drive through the snow, through the ice, through the elements of the mountain, down to the valley. You've got your gloves on, you're suited up for the trip. And the road down to the valley is treacherous. Okay, it winds down the mountain, steep cliffs. So you take the drive and you get to the valley. And once you get to the valley, you realize, oh, it's warmer here. I don't need that many layers. And so you take off your down parka. But you're still pretty, pretty warm, right? So you take off the vest and the flannel and you're down to like just a T-shirt. And you can feel the sun on you. And that feels different and new. It's a lot nicer than the wind blowing through you. And people are looking at you a little funny like, wow, buddy, where'd you come from? the nook of the north and they're walking by in t-shirts and shorts and they're laughing and they're carrying around little bottles of water maybe they've got an ice cream cone you think to yourself who would intentionally want something cold and they're looking at you wondering why are you wearing a fur hat and mittens in a rusted truck with chains on your tires in the valley and so now you feel embarrassed so what do you do Well, you need to get what you need as quickly as possible and get the heck out of the valley and head back up to the mountain where you know how things work. These valley people are weak. They're soft. They're weird. They're unprepared. They wouldn't last one day on the mountain. You are tough. You're strong. You're knowledgeable. And you're hardened. Your way of life hardened you. It hardened your heart. It had to. You would have never survived. But now you don't know how to relate to people who don't come from where you come from. You don't know how to relate to people who haven't been through what you've been through. They look at you like you're weird. If they knew the things you've done to survive, the animals you've killed, the places you've slept, the dirt under your fingernails, maybe in other places, They'd never accept you. Why? Because they would never understand you. You'd be an outcast for good. So better to just go home, back up the mountain, go to where you know how to live. Now, the valley is easier. The conditions are kinder. Every day is not a struggle. In the valley, life just isn't as hard as it is on the mountain. So you head back up the mountain and you leave the valley and the valley people far behind you. And if you happen to stay in the valley for any period of time, you're always looking for mountain people. Where are my people? Where are the people who get it the way you get it? They will understand why you do what you do. The mountain is about extreme conditions. It's difficult to do most things. Most things require planning and work. 
Difficulty is the norm. Ease is infrequent. It's not common. On the mountain, life requires planning and struggle most of the time. On the mountain, relationships are difficult because everyone is very busy surviving. Danger is everywhere, but you get used to it. You get used to it. You're used to living on a cliff. You're used to knowing that if I lose my balance, I fall to my death. No big deal. It's Tuesday. Every day requires you to devise and execute safety plans. Danger is simply understood to be part of life on the mountain. And you're mostly alone. Survival is very unique and very individual. So there's no easy path to connecting with other people without survival getting in the way. Now, the valley's different. Life in the valley is easier than life on the mountain. People are more connected because life is easier. There's more time and there's space to converse. You get to know one another because there's more ease. You don't have to spend hours of every day figuring out how you're going to survive and keep yourself in your little survival pattern hidden. There's access to things you need. You don't have to struggle for basic things. In the valley, they're there. You don't have to devise a plan and gear up and suit up and warm up the truck and head down the treacherous road and put the chains on the tire to get what you need. No, in the valley, it's there. Your needs could be met much more easily. And in the valley, people help one another because they're not that busy surviving. And life isn't terribly dramatic in the valley because danger is not lurking around every corner. People don't live on edge. Laughter is more common in the valley. People laugh on the mountain, but it's kind of a hardened laughter. Look at us. We're so tough. We know how life really works. Those idiots in the valley take everything for granted. But in the valley, people laugh more. They play more. Days might pass by. Many days might go by without even thinking about how you're going to get through it to the next day. So what is the mountain and what is the valley? The mountain is your hardship. Now, this could be your childhood. It could be your adolescence. It could be a very difficult marriage, a painful, difficult relationship. It could be a relationship with a child. It's a dangerous or very difficult job. If you served in the military, it could have been your military service, particularly if there was combat. The mountain could be abuse. It could be trauma, years of traumatic experiences. The mountain is any situation in your life which presented you with a threat. There was danger to your very life or to your sense of well-being. And it required you to figure out coping mechanisms so that you would survive. You know you're on a mountain if this is true. If I don't develop these skills, I will die. Now, you could argue, Vanessa, all of life is a mountain. We're all surviving. You know, if we don't go to work and get paid, we won't eat. Then we die. Okay. Okay. I can go there. But there has to be a valley, too. On the mountain, survival is actually the name of the game. Not living. Not experiencing life. Not thriving. Surviving. Not connection. Not safety. Not enjoyment surviving. The goal is to get by until you can get out. The valley are the safe places in your life. The valleys of your life are the peaceful places of calm. Now, I realize we often use these words opposite. 
you know, in a sort of an opposite connotation, like mountaintop experiences are supposed to be highs and valleys are the lows. Okay, I get it. But in this scenario, I want you to go with me. Okay, the mountains are the hard places. The mountains are the places where the conditions are so extreme that you have to develop extreme skill sets in order to survive. The valleys are peaceful. Think of valleys as peaceful meadows. They're calm moments that that seem to stretch out forever. It's like gazing into the eyes of someone you love. You just don't want to tear your eyes away. You could stare forever in their eyes. Have you ever read a book until you dozed off? That's a valley. Just peace. Listening to birds sing. A long, luxurious meal. A morning that you slept in late and woke up with a clear mind. That's a valley. Now, why are we talking about these two distinct places? Well, you're all smart. You're out there listening and you know where I'm going. Okay, some of us grew up on the mountain, meaning it was hard. It was tricky. It was dangerous in a number of ways. And here's the problem. We never left it. We have a skill set for living for extreme conditions. And this is how we view life as one treacherous condition after another, one battle after another. And we have learned to see life through that paradigm. What is out to get me? What is out to kill me? What is out to hurt me? What is out to harm me? And how can I protect myself from all of those things? And this is literally the way we're going through life. Some of us only know how to live on the mountain. And if you're putting two and two together, I was there. In some ways, I still am. And I'll say more about that later. But some of us, for this reason, don't even know how to relate to people who live in the valley. We only trust and form relationships with people who have been through what we've been through. This is called a trauma bond. Yeah, but Vanessa, you know, some people just get it. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I've said this many times and I've laughed about it many times. But as I'm considering the mountain and the valley, it's sort of becoming clear to me. But what I've said many times is I don't trust people who haven't been through trauma. My gosh, if that is not a mountaintop statement, I don't know what is. That's me living on the mountain. Now, does trauma develop compassion, depth, wisdom, empathy? Yes, it does. If you've healed from it, that is a very deep, compassionate soul very often. But I was living in a world where it was kind of, uh-uh. now, if you haven't been there, if you don't know what it's like on the mountain, don't talk to me. And, and of course, my jury, don't talk to me. Don't even talk to me if you haven't lived on the mountain. You know, Jersey blunt. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> but the worldview of our hardship becomes our worldview. We engage everything and everyone as though it's going to be difficult for us the way the mountain was difficult for us. If we were abandoned, we see everyone as a possible abandonment. If we were hurt or harmed, we see everyone through the eyes of suspicion and self-protection. This is why that podcast I did a couple of weeks ago called The Imprint is so important. We have to understand the imprint. Your imprint happened in childhood. And if that was a difficult, dangerous, emotionally fraught place, you grew up on the mountain. And that will be how you see everyone And what that largely tells us, and I'm confessing this as a therapist, as a human being on the journey, is that we are unhealed. If we see everything like the mountain and not the valley, we're not healed yet. Healing allows us to enter the valley and say, I can live here. I can live with these people. I can live in peace internally, 
But for so many of us, the mountain became the norm. It became reality. And so we lost the ability to trust or relate to people in peace. And our skill set is applicable in extreme conditions, threats of danger, a harsh, brutal atmosphere. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who have been through trauma who will talk about the world like a battlefield. And to be honest, I get it. I've been there. Our skill set is only applicable on the mountain. You know, the fancy word for this is called globalization. What does that mean? It means we've globalized the mountain because we lived that way during that time. We now believe that everything is that way all the time. This was our reality. And so now this is reality because something happened at one point. We believe it's true for all time. And so we shut off our hearts to the goodness of people we don't trust. We don't allow other people to truly know us. We don't know how to switch it off. And see, that's the thing. Because I know some of you listening are like, wait a minute, I don't want to lose that skill set. Sometimes the world is dangerous. I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. But I will tell you, not every part of life is a mountain. There are valleys. But because we learned how to survive... And that's our wheelhouse. That's our skill set. What we do in our adult lives is we create the same conditions over and over again. And that could mean finding and dwelling in unsafe places with unsafe people. And we pull them in close and we survive together. And all we've done is build another mountain. That's our wheelhouse. It's what we know. And some of us have never lived in a valley. You know the old phrase, hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. I have to confess, even as I'm recording this podcast and thinking through these thoughts, that I have created trauma bonds with people. I have created worldviews where, you know, you better hold on to that skill set. You know, you never know who's going to hurt you. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Vanessa, you really took that mountain with you, didn't you? You took that mountain and you put it in your back pocket and... You lost the ability to believe the best about people. Everyone's a threat. Now, here's the deal. In my family growing up, that was mostly true. It was a very emotionally, psychologically complicated environment. And I'll say more about that at the end. But it was it, it was true. Like, I had to gear up. I needed the hat and the gloves and the jacket and the thermal and the flannel and the down parka and, you know, the fur mittens and the boots up to my knees and the tires and the chains on the tire. I needed all of it all the time. There were very, very few moments of safety, true emotional, psychological safety in my childhood. And most of the time I was alone when I was safe. I was alone in the woods. But around my family of origin, it wasn't very safe. It's still not safe. That's the mountain. But for me, some of us have never lived in a valley. I think I'm only now in my life getting to a point where I believe that the valley not only exists, but that I can live in it. I've still got the skill set from the mountain. You put me on a mountain and I can handle myself. If you put me in a valley, I don't think I could handle myself before now. I think I only knew how to live on a mountain. I guess I'm just wondering, can any of you relate out there? If you can, send me an email. I would love to hear from you. But I know, because I know people, and I'm not that different, that some of you listening to this podcast have never known what it's like, metaphorically speaking, to stretch out your body in the grass in safety and just look up at the sky and know that you're perfectly safe. 
you live all bundled up, just like I did. The realization I had was that I became aware that I was living in the assumption that people could not be trusted to truly love me. Now, I have great friends, close relationships. I am very attached to the people in my life who I call my family. But there was very frequently a little voice in the back of my head that questioned, do they really love me? Can I really trust this person? What if they turn against me? What if they're just showing me charity? Do you know what I mean? Like just that little voice, still the mountain. Mm, You better stay bundled up, Vanessa. Keep that parka close. Keep all your tools and all your skills and all your supplies close because you never know who's going to turn on you. That is the mountain. You know, I said I was going to say more about this growing up. Again, and if you listen to this podcast, this is nothing new. Unfortunately, it was a very unsafe emotional environment. And like I said, it still is. In my family growing up, egos trumped truth. Looking right was so much more important than speaking the truth. Ego trumped kindness, taking power over a situation, having authority over a situation was far more important than being kind. Ego trumped empathy. It was more important for me to have a powerful position in a conflict. Me, not me. I'm saying generally my parents, my sisters. I was the youngest kid. I didn't win a lot of conflicts. I didn't win a lot. I had to manipulate my mother to win. And that's a whole other podcast. But ego trumped empathy. Okay, it was much more important to be powerful than to be connected. And it ultimately trumped humanity. It was more important to win an argument, to win a debate, than it was to look at another human being with any kind of respect whatsoever. And not much has changed. Lies were told in my family capriciously. Literally, it was arbitrary. Lies were sort of understood if what you were saying could be seen as interesting or impressive, one or the other. If you were impressive or interesting, it was kind of okay to lie. I know this sounds crazy. This is what I grew up in, so I couldn't trust anyone. I couldn't trust what was coming out of anyone's ha- anyone's mouth. If you were lying to up the ante, if you were lying to make something dramatic, if you were lying because you got more sympathy by lying, it was. I mean, it was literally okay. I actually had a member of my family earlier in my life look at me in the eye and say, Vanessa, why is it so important to you that people tell you the truth? Yes, that happened. I'll never forget it. This was the environment. And some of you out there listening, you get it. All right, here it is. We're mountain people. So how do you navigate that? Well, you could never trust. Now, this was tricky. You had to appear as if you trusted because... If you didn't, you would have been seen as disrespectful or disloyal. So the appearance of closeness was mandatory, but you couldn't actually trust the words coming out of anyone's mouth. Why? Because competition ran rampant. In my family system, there were winners and there were losers. The winners were smarter, older, most successful. And the losers were the lesser of all of those things. So we competed like crazy. This was the mountain. And so my whole skill set was designed to keep me safe from competitive ego-driven dynamics, power dynamics. Now, did it make me shrewd? It sure did. Did it teach me wisdom? In some ways, yeah. I mean, the hardship of life on the mountain will teach you wisdom. It sure will. 
But I want you to ask yourself the same way I had to ask myself, am I still living out of this worldview? Am I still seeing the world the way I saw my family of origin? Am I still seeing the world as if they're presenting me, the world is presenting me with the same threats that I faced on the mountain? So I want you to ask yourself, how do you self-protect? What environmental conditions were present on the mountains of your life that you've carried now into the valleys? Do you even know how to go to the valley? Do you know how to let your nervous system re-regulate down? Let your levels come down. Learn how to trust again. Is your skill set that you developed on the mountain, is it necessary in everyday life? You know, I remember one time I was in the kitchen of a house that I owned and my sister was there with me and Man, she is someone I respect a lot. We don't have a close relationship, but I respect her. She's a survivor, and I respect that about her. And I remember we were talking about something or other. We were talking about a family dynamic. And I said, you know, you treat everything like it's a battle. And I'll never forget this. She screamed at me, it is a battle, Vanessa. And at the time, in my own foolish, kind of self-righteous idiocy, I thought, oh, my gosh, she sees everything like it's a battle. Well, it took me a minute to realize I was doing the same thing. I brought my mountain with me. That was her mountain. Everything's a battle. My mountain was everything is a power struggle. It's been a big journey for me to come out of a power struggle and into love. But that day in session, we wrapped up the session and I sat there and I thought to myself, are you still living on the mountain? Have you brought the mountain with you? Does this skill set even serve you in the valley? Or can you just accept that in the valley, people are kinder? These coping mechanisms that you've developed, do they foster connection? Probably not. It's probably self-protection. Are we treating all of life like it's a mountain? Or can we switch off? Don't lose that skill set. Sometimes you need it. But can you switch it off and enter the valley? What does it look like to enter the valley? It means you can trust. Really trust. Like not just tell the truth, trust. I mean walk away from a conversation and trust. That person loves me. I am loved by them. I am safe. Gone are the days of emotional hangovers. You know what I'm talking about where you share a lot, you get very vulnerable and you walk away. Oh, should I have said that? Man, what are they going to think about me? That's the mountain. In the valley, you walk away from a vulnerable conversation knowing you are safe and you are loved. And I will be honest with you, I am still getting there. In the valley, you can confide in people. Because there's not competition. You can show the vulnerable parts of yourself because no one's going to exploit it. In the valley, you can rely on people. People won't let you down. And we all know how this goes. I'm thinking right now of a friend that I was going through a specific journey in my life and I called her or maybe I texted her and I said, you're the only one I want with me on this. And she was like, I'm here for it. And it was a beautiful moment. And then, of course, there's that little voice in the back of my mind that's like, am I troubling her? Is this a burden? You know, she's got her own stuff going on. That's the mountain. In the valley, I say to myself, if she says yes, that means it's a yes. We can rely on people in the valley. In the valley, we let down our guard. We're not constantly connecting with a need to be right. 
or say it better or know more or teach someone. You know, I have a relationship in my life that it has taken such a distant place in my life because this person cannot relate with me without feeling like, you know, it's a female, but they feel like they need to mansplain everything. I don't even like that term. But it's just everything. Oh, well, you know, the way that works, Vanessa, I'm like, Jesus, Christmas, enough, enough. In the Valley, we talk. We don't have to teach each other. We just talk. We share ideas. You let down your guard. In the Valley, you can say, hey, I'm on the same path with you. I don't know. This is what I've learned. Tell me what you've learned. In the Valley, we can accept that safety exists and we don't have to live our lives waiting for an assault. That's the mountain. The mountain is a place where safety actually doesn't exist. It's not real. If you have a day of less danger, that doesn't mean it was safe. It just means there was less danger. But in the valley, it's really safe. You know, if we can't ever come down off that mountain, we're missing out on the best part of life. And I guess that's why I wanted to share this podcast with you this week, because I'm determined to learn how to live in the valley. I mean, I could cry. I am determined to believe, because I believe it's true, that I am loved, that I can trust that, that people don't show me love to my face and then turn around and gossip about me, but that I'm genuinely seen and known and loved for who I am. And as I say that out loud, I believe it to be true. But for so long, I didn't. Because I was still living on the mountain. Conditions are harsh. No one connects. You just have to survive. The valley's the best part of life. Now, again, the skills we have from the mountain are not useless. Some relationships, unfortunately, are going to require those skills. Things like boundaries, withholding, guards that go up, like all those layers of clothes you have to wear on the cold, snowy mountain. But if we can't switch that off and let our guard down and start to see the good intentions of others and react and respond and trust those good intentions, we're going to lose our whole life to a misunderstanding. Not everything is a mountain. Now, some of us, I did it myself. I've been there. I don't do this now, but I have absolutely been there where I recreated the mountain. I chose people I couldn't trust to be around. Absolutely. Particularly in romantic relationships. Ask yourself if you're doing that. How are your friendships? Are you friends with people who you know? Like, you know. Like, you know your name. Like, you know you have a nose. You know you can't trust. I see this all the time. I counsel people all the time who will, you know, and I'm grateful for their trust, but they will confide in me and share very deep things. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, do you have a support system around this issue? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I couldn't tell any of my friends this. They wouldn't understand it. And maybe they come to me and they talk to me about it because I'm another mountain person. Probably. I get it. I've lived on the mountain. I know what it's like not to trust anybody. I do. But eventually we need the relationships that happen in the valley because that's where life is. Not everyone has to be surviving on the mountain all the time. The valley is real. You know, when I moved to Nashville, 
I never loved New York. I lived in New York for a long time, and it's a beautiful city if you've been to New York. It's such a special place. But, you know, people walk through the streets of New York, and they look up at the skyscrapers, and they just think, God, I love it here. I love living here. Everybody I know who loves New York has had that moment where they look around the city, and they just can't believe they get to live in this place. I did not have that experience. There are beautiful places in New York. The rooftop of the Met is one of my, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, is one of my favorite places on planet Earth. There's a garden up there. You can get a little glass of wine and look out at Central Park. It's absolutely beautiful. But most of the time, I found the city to be a place of drudgery. So when I came to Nashville, which is another story in and of itself, I was running away from everything in my life. I got a one-way ticket to Nashville on March 23rd, I believe it was, of 2011. And I remember sitting on the tarmac of LaGuardia Airport, and it was March in New York, and March in New York is still winter, and it was so bitterly cold, and there were no leaves on the trees, and so all these, like, bare trees are lining the runway, and we were getting ready to take off, and these tears just flowed down my cheeks, and I looked out at the window, and I thought to myself, I can be nice now. I wanted to come down from that mountain so bad. I went straight from a competitive, power-oriented family system, folks, to New York. <laughs> Hello? If I wasn't recreating the mountain, I don't know what I was doing. I moved from competition and power dynamics to Manhattan. And I wondered why I was miserable because I was recreating my mountain. So I'm in my seat on the flight waiting to take off with tears streaming down my face thinking. I think I actually whispered it looking out the window. I can be nice now. I wanted a valley. I wanted a new place where I didn't have to fight so hard. New York just felt like my family all over again. And I have amazing friends in New York who are still very close to me. But by and large, if you've ever been to New York or lived in New York, it's, it's a mountain. It's not really a valley. So then I get to Nashville. And what happens? People are nice. I think, oh, I can be nice now. I'm going to be one of them. No, 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 no. People look at me and they smile. Well, how are you? And I'm thinking in my head, what do you want? Why are you looking at me? So you see, the mountain was in me. <laughs> are you following? Do you get it? Wherever your mountain was, you take it with you. So now I'm in Nashville, the south of the United States, which is, you know, the friendliest place in the world. And I think I'm going to be able to be nice. Now, no, the mountain's in me. I don't trust anybody. Why are you looking at me? What are you looking at? Here's the New Yorker in the south. I was living on the mountain. I was carrying the mountain. Every skill I had in me was for the mountain. I wanted the valley, but I didn't trust it yet. So I want to ask you, what mountains are you still living on? You know, some of you got hurt in relationship and you've written off relationships forever. Some of you served in military positions, in combat, and you come at life like it's a threat waiting to kill you. And it's not. It's just your worldview. Some of you have never learned to trust. Now, hear me. Please hear me. I am not judging you. I am one of you. And I am learning how to live in this valley. And every day it gets more beautiful. Every day, I trust a little bit more. 
One of my best friends had a birthday in the last week. I interviewed him on the podcast. He's um, the interior designer, and I think the podcast was um, creating safety, creating safe spaces, something like that. Anyway, go back and listen to it. His name's Brad, and it was his birthday, and his house is under construction, and his life has just been, you know, crazy because of the renovation. And I said, how about I just throw you the party at my house? And he wrote in a text, I would adore that. So we had his favorite people come over, and we made this beautiful meal, and I wrote this toast. And on the mountain, I don't share a toast like that because you'll laugh at me and you'll interrupt me and you'll make fun of me because I'm sensitive and I'm deep and I share deeply and closely about what I love about people. And I don't have trouble putting words to that. It's one of my gifts. I can put into words what I love about people and I can really make them feel really seen. So I talked to Jared about it before the party and I thought, I need your help. Because in the Valley, you can ask for help. I said, I need your help. I really want to read this out loud for Brad, but I'm afraid. See, this is the mountain. I'm afraid people are going to make fun of me. And I'm afraid they're going to interrupt me. And I'm afraid they're going to laugh at me. And they're going to mock me because that was the mountain. But I want to live in the Valley. So Jared said, well, why don't I do this? Because Jared lives in the Valley. He said, why don't I announce that you're going to make a toast and if everyone could just give you their attention. And I said, babe, that would be great. Thank you so much. So he did that. And then I stood up and I surprised myself because I addressed everybody. And I said, I know that some of you are going to want to interrupt this with jokes. Or I said, just do me a favor. Let me get through it. Let me just say everything I want to say. And I read him his toast and he was in tears and I was in tears and his parents were at the party and they were in tears. And for the first time in my life, I said out loud, I want to get through this. Please let me get through this. Let me live in a valley. Don't make it like the mountain. Don't make it about you. Don't interrupt with jokes. Just listen. And if it moves your heart, let it move your heart. In the valley, our hearts are moved. On the mountain, our hearts are hard. But friends, we've got to come to the valley. And this week, I'm not teaching you anything. I'm just sharing with you that life in the valley is beautiful. We can learn how to trust. And we can learn, and this is really big, we can learn how to create our own safety. And when we do that, People are there for us in the valley, not on the mountain. On the mountain, you can't make it safe. It's a mountain. You live on a cliff. It's treacherous. But in the valley, it's safe. And people who live in the valley, and you'll know who they are because they will trust and they will want to make it safe with you and for you. In the valley, we can learn how to assume the best. We can walk away from conversations that are vulnerable and believe I'm loved. We can walk away from a vulnerable toast at a birthday party where we pour out our heart for our very best friend and know it was okay. If everyone didn't get it, it's okay. The people that live in the valley were safe for me. We can learn how to give people the benefit of the doubt in the valley. We can learn how to say people are trying their best. We can learn how to face people honestly, present our true selves and believe they won't leave us because if they do, they're still on the mountain and people only come into the valley when they're ready. And I guess today I'm telling you, I've been in the valley for a little while and I guess it kind of caught up to my mind because today I'm realizing it and I'm telling you it's really nice here.
But if you're still living on your mountain, if you're still bringing your mountain around with you, I just want to tell you, I get it. I'm a mountain girl too. But in the valley, we learn how to be still. Sometimes we're bored and it's wonderful. (laughs) In the valley, you learn how to tolerate the mundane. You don't need life to be busy and exciting and interesting all the time. You know, some of you are coming out of hard mountain experiences. You're coming out of battle. You're coming out of divorces. Some of you are learning how to be still and slow again. And I want to tell you, stay in the valley. Don't lose your mountain skill set. You're going to need it. Sometimes life is like a mountain. And sometimes you're going to meet mountain people. But I hope you know valley people. When you walk away, they've got nothing but good things to say about you. In the valley, we learn how to play again. Every moment doesn't have to be about survival. All right, let's pause there. Mm. Thanks for being with me this week. I'm a little teary. It's just been a big realization for me. So I hope that this was helpful for you. If it was, shoot me an email. Y'all know how to reach me. I love hearing from you. It's the podcast at vanessalondino.com. And I'm waiting and hoping to hear from you. I put this out there last week, but I kind of said it quickly at the end of the podcast. I would love to include your questions, whatever questions you have about mental health, about life, whatever questions you have, I would love to include them in the podcast. So if you send me your questions at um, my email address, which is the podcast at vanessalondino.com, send me an audio file of you. Hey, Vanessa, I would love to hear you speak about blah, 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 blah. Or Vanessa, my mother does this thing. And when she does, I I don't know how to respond to her. How should I? Or there's this dynamic in my family, or there's this dynamic between me and my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and I would love to hear more about it. Send me your questions. Just create an audio file on your phone. You don't have to put your name in there. You can be anonymous. And I'll just use your initials, okay, and say where you're from. And send it to me at my email address, thepodcast at vanessalondino.com. What else? Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast. A lot of you have gotten in touch with me about the inner child episode. So if that was you, thank you for reaching out. That was a very vulnerable episode, but I'm glad I put it out there. I love sharing my heart with you. I love doing this thing called life with you. It's a crazy journey. I hope to see you in the valley. And remember, your sole work is to discover who you truly are. And who you truly are is not always on the mountain. I know we have to get on that mountain sometimes, but I hope we come into the valleys. Discover who you truly are, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, and learn how to love that human being, because wherever you are, you are lovable. Till next time. This podcast is recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, and edited by Jared Bentley. I'm Vanessa Landino, and you just listened to the Vanessa Landino Podcast. <laughs>